So how are you guys doing? <laughs> wow, that worship, I just, I was done. <laughs> I just thought, God, like, I'm good. We don't have to do anything else. Like, this is, this is more than enough. I'm, I'm good. Before I get started, well, I want to welcome you once again to She Is Conference. Um, welcome. You know what, I just want to thank you all for being here and for coming out. Um, you know, God puts these visions and these, these desires in our hearts. But if nobody came, then there would just be desires and visions. But now we see those things come to life. Because everything that God puts into, everything that God puts out there, he puts out with life and purpose. There is nothing that God makes that is, that is without purpose. And so this conference has been with purpose. It's only two years old and it's a toddler, but it's, it's not terrible twos, it's terrific twos. <laughs> so I just wanna thank you all for being here. First of all, I, I just wanna thank you all and I hope that you receive something tonight. I know that you've received a lot already the speakers have been amazing, each and every one of them. Um, they really have touched my heart. Um, I just want to actually take some time to, to thank everybody that made this possible. From the deco team to the ushers to the people that prepared the food, just everybody that had a hand in making this conference possible. I just want to thank you. Thank you so much. You guys are amazing, and I, I love you. I love you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much for what you do. I want to thank one more person. <laughs> this is my husband, Mario. <laughs> and... You have no idea what this man has done for me. You have no idea. Just a few minutes ago, he's ministering to me. And whenever I'm going through anything, he, he's there. And it is really because God has used him that I can be up here. That I can have courage to speak to you and to do what I feel God has, has spoken to me and has guided me to do. It's really because of of God using this man who I love. So honey, thank you. Thank you so much for letting God use you the way that he's used you. I honor you. You're my man. <laughs> You're my woman. <laughs> so thank you so much. Okay, so enough lovey-dovey stuff, right? Um, so I'm really, really excited to be here. I'm not going to keep you up here. <laughs> like, you can go. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Got you. 
All right, you guys ready? Okay, I'm ready. I think I'm ready. Okay, so I'm really, really excited to be here with you guys. Like I said, it's our second year, and just amazing things have happened so far. Every night has been just such a blessing um, and just so full of God's presence. Everything has, every night and every service has been just, I don't even know the word to describe how much of God's presence was and has been and is, is still here. I don't know the word. Super duper packed. Um, it's the perfect word. I'm very eloquent. Um, it's been amazing. It's really, really amazing. And uh, I'm really excited and honored to be able to be here and to share what God has placed in my heart for you guys, for you ladies. Um, okay, so can I, can I be honest with you guys tonight? Yes. Yeah? Can I, be, can I be real? Yeah? Okay, I have to be honest um, just with what's been going on and, and just what has happened up to today or tonight for me. Okay, so have you ever planned anything and um, you know that it has purpose and there's life behind it and, and there's good stuff behind it, but you kind of get lost in the planning of it all? Yeah, that happens. And that happened to me. And, you know, I've been speaking for, my husband pointed it, pointed it out to me this morning, for nine years. I started off um, at our old church. My husband and I were youth leaders along with other, other people, and we started teaching the teens. And it was just so amazing, teaching the teens and watching them grow and grow in the Lord, and it was just so amazing. And so that's how I started, and, and, and it's progressed, and um, I went from teaching to preaching and preaching, and, uh, and it's been amazing. And so through the years, I've developed this trust in the Holy Spirit, and it's not cockiness or conceit or anything like that. It's just, it's just been a trust, just because there's been times where I've come up here so afraid and trembling and like even wanting to run away. Um, because I'm just so scared, and, and, and I have felt like, God, what are you going to say through me? Like, what do I have to say? Um, so there's been those times where I've been so afraid, and, and, and God has, has shown me, just trust me. Trust that I'm going to speak through you because I am God. And I've learned that. I've learned that all I need to do is really just spend some time with him and just let him do what he does best. And I've learned to just trust on him and lean on him. And so I don't know why, like, you know, I, I have the trust part all figured out with him. You know, it's, it's good in that department. And I don't know why, but I just, I've started to listen to other, to other preachers and speakers. And, and I've, you know, there's people that I admire. And I think, wow, you know, so-and-so, almost came off. So-and-so is such a good speaker. They're such a, a good preacher, like, the way that they present their message is so good. And so I started focusing on that. And I'm, I need to be honest with you, okay? I'm going to put myself out there. I started focusing on that. I thought, okay, I got the Holy Spirit stuff down, so now let me get, like, my presentation, like, my pizzazz, like, my showmanship down. And I thought, as I prepared my, my message, I, I would sit there and think, and, and say to God and say, God, it's that time again. 
How are we going to wow them this time? How are we going to be impressive? How, how are you going to make me come up there and shine so that the people out there can say, wow, Cynthia is such a good speaker. She's so dynamic and vibrant. And being honest with you, that's, that's what I, at the beginning, that's what I was focusing on, on, on how can I wow you? How can I impress you? And that's where my mind got caught up in. When God spoke to us about um, this conference and the idea of it all, he spoke to us and he said, he, he brought up this phrase, not all that glitters is gold. And so when he said that, I thought, okay, so I'm going to fill the place with glitter. And I remember telling Danny, who is in charge of our deco, I told him, Danny, <coughs> I told him, Danny, I want the, the floor to be covered with gold dust. Like I want to be able to kick up the gold dust. And he looks at me and he says, no, you are crazy. And I said, okay, I guess we'll have to wait till get, we get to heaven to walk on gold. <laughs> um, but yeah, not all that glitters is gold. And God spoke to me and he said, he said, honey, you've been focusing on the gold and not the, I'm sorry. Blah, blah, blah. Honey, you've been focusing on the glitter and not the gold. And I said, oh, you know when God kind of like checks you, it's good, but it kind of stings a little bit. Like, oh, yeah, okay. It was kind of like one of those moments. And now I, I said, God, you, you're right. I have been focusing on the glitter, which is so ironic because this place is full of glitter. <sighs> so that's, that's my truth. So far, my my first piece of truth. Um, why don't we pray before we, we get into this? Heavenly Father, I just thank you. Holy Spirit, I just, I partner with you. I know that you are here. I know that we are your children. We are your people. And you love us. Above everything else, you love us. And because you love us, you want to speak to us. You want to whisper words in our ears and place words, life-giving words in our hearts and in our beings. You want to revive us from the inside out. You want to continue to flow within us. You love us. And so, Holy Spirit, I just, I release you. Like, just do what you want to do. I give this service up to you. I give this message up to you. This is all for you. This is all yours. And I just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. I have a couple stories. Um, I hope you don't mind. Okay, so growing up, um, I was blessed to have two parents, a mom and a dad. That's a blessing. And I'm really, really grateful and, 
and happy that I was able to grow up that way. I had two parents, my mom and my dad. They were there. My dad worked really, really hard for us. A long time ago, my mom and my dad decided my dad was going to work really hard and my mom was going to stay home and raise us. And so that's what happened. My dad worked. My mom stayed at home. So my mom was always able to take us to school and pick us up and take us to, you know, whatever activities we had. Like I played softball and, you know, she, gave, she would give me rides and my friends rides. So my mom was always there for us. And my dad was always providing for us. So growing up, I never really needed anything in regards to material things. I always had shoes. I had my L.A. gears once a year, but I had them. Um, you know, we had, we had what we needed, which is, which is more than we can ask for. We had what we needed in regards to, you know, what I said, food, clothes, and a roof over our, head, our heads. One thing that I didn't have, though, from my parents was um, affection. My family isn't very affectionate. And another thing that I didn't have with my family was open communication. We didn't talk about anything. Um, to tell you this, uh, my mom didn't even tell me about my period. So when I got it, surprise! <laughs> You're bleeding! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Just throwing it out there to wake you up. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know what was going on with me. My mom never had that talk. My mom never talked to me about sex. I never had that talk. I, you know, she never said, hey, honey, you know, it's, it'd, be good, it'd be a good idea for you to remain a virgin. You know, we want to value that. I never had that talk. And so when I was in high school, you know, I had these, these inner issues inside of me on top of growing up and trying to figure out who you are and all that stuff. And so when I was in high school, I was, I was very uh, <coughs> self-conscious, and I didn't have any, I was very insecure. I didn't have any confidence. I just, I was never affirmed growing up. I didn't have affirmation from my dad or my mom. I didn't know what that was, but I know that I needed it. So I sought it in horrible ways. You know, in high school, um, Whenever guys would pay attention to me, I, I thought, oh, I have attention. Like, let me do what I need to do to hold on to this. So I would let guys fill me up in order to let them give me their attention because I thought, hey, it's attention. It's more than I'm getting at home. And so one time, I had this boyfriend, and, you know, I just stopped liking him. Have you guys ever just stopped liking somebody? Well, that's what happened. I stopped liking him, and I broke up with him. And I said, hey, you know what? It's not you, it's me. I need to really focus on myself right now. Just language arts is really like, oh, it's so stressful. Um, <laughs> and so we broke up. And I don't think he was very happy about it. Because the next day, he took the liberty of saying that he, him and I had sex. And I didn't have sex with him or anybody. And uh, it was really hurtful. And um, I said to him, hey, why are you saying these things? Like, it's not true. He used some very colorful, colorful wor words towards me. And, uh, you know, I let that be and walked away. 
And so then, you know, it, it just kept spreading around the school, and it was so embarrassing, and I just felt, I felt bad. And uh, so I go to my cousin. I have an older guy cousin, and I go to him, and I said, hey, um, I don't, I need your help. I have this guy who's, who's spreading these lies about me, and I kind of just want him to stop. So can you, like, kick his butt or scare him or just make him stop? And he said, okay. <laughs> but he never did anything. And so at that point I felt, dang, I have nobody to defend me. And I can't go to my parents with this because we just, we don't talk about that. And I have nobody to defend me. So I kind of have to deal with this on my own. So repress that. Um, a year later, I started working at Tommy's. Not good for you. Um, I started working there, and <coughs> there's only about three girls working there, and the rest were, were dudes, guys, and um, they were all older, like 20s and to like mid-30s-ish. And um, there was one particular guy that would flirt with me. And again, Cynthia needs attention, so let's flirt. Let's, let's do that. So I flirted with this guy, but I, I never, like, let him touch me or anything like that. It was just, I thought it was just playful, innocent flirting. So one day I happened to go to the back because we need to restock the ketchup thing, I think it was. And so I go to the back, and I go to, like, look for the for the stuff, and I'm like reaching up, and then he comes up from behind me, and he starts touching me. And I just freeze. I didn't know what to do, because for the first time, I didn't ask for it. And I didn't welcome it, but I didn't know what to do. So I just froze, and I let it happen. And so he finished, and he left. I repressed that. It happened a couple more times, and again, I just let it happen. Because I didn't know that I can tell him to stop. I didn't know that I can tell this guy, hey, what you're doing is not right. I'm a kid. So one time, I'm washing dishes, and he comes up from behind me, and he scoops me up in his arms, and he tries to kiss me, and I'm, like, fighting him off. And so he, he puts me on the ground, and he pins me down, and he starts trying to kiss me and fill me up again. And this time, I, I guess a light bulb turned on, and, and I thought, while he was doing this, I thought, this isn't right. Like, this isn't cool. Like, I didn't ask for this. Here's this person who took it upon himself to think that it's okay for him to do this to me. I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask him for this. And he took that choice away from me. He took that ability to decide for me. He took it upon himself and he just did it. He violated me. And so I started to tell him, stop. Get off of me. Just stop. And he wouldn't stop. And the people in the front, the coworkers, they, I know they heard it because I was, I was screaming, but nobody came to help me. 
Nobody came to, to, to see what was going on or to see why I was yelling. And so finally, I guess I made enough of a commotion and I made it difficult for him, so he got off. And when he gets up, he leans over and he tells me, he tells me this, he says, if you tell anyone, I'm just going to tell them that you brought this onto yourself. I'm just going to tell them that you led me on and this is all your fault. And I believed it. I believed it. And so I didn't tell anybody because I thought, well, first of all, no one's going to believe me. No one's going to come to my defense. And on top of that, it's embarrassing. It's shameful. I felt so ashamed. I felt so wronged. And it wasn't even my fault. But I felt so wrong and I felt so dirty and, and so worthless. And so, in high school, that just, that kind of kept happening where I would have a boyfriend and we just would fool around and, and I would just kind of become numb and just let it happen. Because I thought, well, whatever, I'm worthless. This is how I keep the guys. I just let it happen. I was scarred by these circumstances, by these situations. These things scarred me. And they hurt me a lot. And what I did is I began to change. Because I didn't want to be a victim. I didn't want to be vulnerable anymore. I reached a point where I thought, you know what? Like, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. I'm never going to be abused again. And so I began to change who I was because of what had happened to me. I felt like I had to change me. I had to put all these barriers around me to protect me, to make sure that I wasn't caught off guard again like that, to make sure that nobody took it upon themselves to, to do what they wanted with me again. A couple of weeks ago, um, this message, actually, it's, it's been in my heart for a while, and I've been wanting to share these stories for a long time because I know that I'm not alone in these situations. Like, I know that I'm not the only one that this has happened to. And so a while ago, God had been kind of stirring inside of me to, to share this, and I thought, well, maybe at a Bible study, maybe, you know, when we have our women's Bible study, we'll, I'll, I'll share that. <coughs> But, I mean, today would be the perfect day for that since we're, we're wanting to be open with one another. A couple of weeks ago, um, as we were preparing for, for the conference, I've been, like, on conference mode for, like, the past two months. And from, from two weeks ago and on, I've, I, for some reason, I've just engaged in these random conversations with different women. And these women, for some reason, just started open, they, they start opening up to me. And they began to share with me things that, that had happened to them in their lifetime. How people did wrong to them. 
and how at one point people didn't give them, them a choice to say yes or no. And it kept happening with, with different women, with different girls. And then my husband and I, we decided to watch this movie on Netflix, and um, that again just confirms it. <coughs> and then I was invited to this awesome women's Bible study, and one of the speakers there, she was talking and sharing her story, and just she shared this verse, and, and I thought, oh my gosh, like confirmation again. And so I just kind of kept getting confirmation upon confirmation about this topic and about these stories. And I thought, God, you know what? I know that you want me to speak on this because I know that I'm not the only one that has gone through these things. I know I'm not alone. I mean, I've, I've heard the testimonies. Some of you in here are hurting some of you in here are dealing with pretty heavy stuff. And I just want to say that I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. I'm so sorry that you had to deal with that in your life. I'm so sorry that you had to endure hurt and pain. And I'm sorry that maybe you had to do it on your own. Because like me, there was nobody there to defend you. I'm so sorry you had to go through that. This past week, um, my sister came to have lunch with me at work. And it was good. We ate. And she brought one of my nephews with her. And so the three of us just, just ate lunch together and... He's, um, he's two years old, and he's very, very playful. And so he's sitting on his chair, but then he gets up, and he gets on his knees, and he's just, like, looking around being funny. And then he turns around to sit down, and somehow his leg gets, gets tangled up with his other leg somehow. And he starts to, to scream, like, not scream, but, like, kind of cry out. <coughs> and he begins to cry. And I'm looking at him, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And, and I'm like, I can't see because his legs are under the table, so I can't see, like immediately can't see what's happening. And so I see him crying, and we're trying to like figure out what's happening. And then my sister looks under the table, and she sees, oh, his leg is caught. So she untangles his leg, and he's crying. And as he's crying, he's saying, ouch, knee, ouch, knee. And he hurt his knee. His knee hurt. And I thought, oh, no, oh, my gosh. Like, it, it hurt me so bad to see him in that pain. It hurt a lot. You have no idea. I, I mean, he was fine, but it just, it just hurt so much to hear him cry out and, and to look at his little face and to see the little tears coming down his cheeks and saying, knee, knee hurts. And I look at him, and I grab his little knee, and I said, Aiden, it's okay. Let me just rub your knee, okay? And I start rubbing his knee, and I said, okay, I'm going to count to three, and your knee's not going to hurt anymore, okay? So I say, one, two, three. And he catches his little breath. And he's, he's still crying. But he, he wipes the tears off his cheeks, and, and he's fine. But it stayed with me. So when I got back to work, I messaged my sister, and I said, hey, Jess, uh, I just feel really bad about Aiden. Is he okay? 
And she texts back, oh my gosh, Cynthia, he's fine. Like, he's laughing and just playing around, jumping, being himself. Like, he's fine. I thought, oh, thank God. It hurt so much to see him in that much pain. It hurt a lot. And so when I was, I was driving home that afternoon, I started telling my husband about it. And I was just telling him, you know, honey, I just, it, I just felt so much pain. Like, it hurt me so much to see him hurting and crying like that. And when I said that, God spoke to me. And, and let me just tell you what he said. So God spoke to me and he said, he said, when you hurt, it hurts me too. I don't want you to hurt either. I want to protect you and make sure nothing happens to you. When you hurt, I'm hurt too. And I thought, wow, God, if I felt that pain, I can only imagine what you felt or what you feel when you see us go through stuff, when you see the things that we've been exposed to, when you see the things that we've been subjected to, the hurt and the abuse and just all the nasty stuff that happens to us. I can only imagine the hurt that you feel when you see somebody do something to us that's going to hurt us. But he is just and fair. Because, see, just how we have free will to choose him, and to do right by him and to be changed by him, other people get that same free will to not choose him and to do what they want to do. Because God is fair and he is just. But I just want you to know that the bad things that happen to you are not because God ordained them and are not from God. He hurts when we hurt. Sometimes we need to count to three with God and catch our breath. Sometimes we need to do that. So I don't know if you guys think about your pain. I don't know if you guys think about the stuff that you've gone through in life. I don't know if you ever just sit and think, like, wow, I've been through a lot. Or, wow, I've had a tough life. Or, wow, you know, I, I really wish that that hadn't happened to me or I hadn't been exposed to that growing up. I wish, I hope. I don't know if you ever think about it. And I don't know if you've been healed from it. Or if, like me, for a long time, or even till now, you just repressed it. And you've allowed those things to change who you are. God created you to be someone. And someone else took it upon themselves to do stuff. And that has allowed God's creation to change. It caused you to change who you are. And God is, what he wants to do is he wants us to be ourselves, our real selves, who he created us to be. Amen. 
I don't know about you, but some of us are, have been held aback by these things because we feel unworthy. You know, like when Misha shared today, I remember we, we spoke about that. And, you know, those are things that may have caused her to feel unworthy. Or what Meryl shared may have caused her to feel unworthy. And, and those things sometimes, they keep us from doing what God has called us to do. Because we feel like, how can I, who've been put through all of this, do such great stuff for, for God? He should just use someone else. <coughs> I don't know what issues or struggles or trials you've gone through. But I'm just going to say a couple things because I just really feel it in my heart. And I really just feel it stirring inside of me that there are some of you in here that are going through these things. There are some of you in here who have probably been raped or who have been abused or who have been exposed to certain things that have, that have robbed you from your innocence. Some of you may struggle with masturbation or addiction to pornography or sex. You're addicted to that. Some of you may be addicted to drugs, to drinking, but God wants to take it away because he doesn't want you hurting anymore. But you know what? I have a question for us. <coughs> Why don't we talk about it? Why don't we talk about these things? Why don't we talk about these issues? Why don't we share with each other about these things that are going on inside of us, these dark things that are keeping us captive, that are keeping us in bondage, why don't we share them? Why don't we come to somebody and say, hey, I have an issue with porn. I just, I just watch it and, and I can't stop. Or, or I need to have sex to feel affection because I feel so numb. I don't feel anything. Why don't we share these things? Why are we so afraid? Why are we so afraid to, to say these things that we're going through? I just feel like <coughs> the reason why we don't share these things is because there's no longer a safe place. And you know, I have a really big problem with something. I really have a problem with this. I don't know why, when, or how we allowed it to be acceptable in church to, to, to cater to this unsafe environment. Why have we allowed that to happen in church? Church is supposed to be a refuge for the broken. But we've allowed it to be this, this, this place of a facade, this place of glory to God, hallelujah, amen, praise Jesus, I'm all, I'm all right. Like we've allowed it to become this, this, this place of, of just glitter and no gold. 
Why have we allowed that to happen? And I have, I have such a big problem with that. And I intend for that to be changed. Certainly in this place. Certainly at Grace and Love. We will not allow this to continue. You know, what ends up happening in, in churches, we feel, and, and Misha talked about this in her, in her message earlier, we, we feel like we have to be so put together. Like, for example, me, I feel like I have to be put together for you. Like, I have to have all my ducks in a row and show you that I'm good and I got my life under control so that you can feel safe to come to me so that you can see that I have my issues together and you can come to me because look, I can manage my own stuff, I can also manage yours. I can pray for you because I'm good. That's what I feel like I have to do. I have to put on this, this role like everything's okay with me. I don't have issues. I'm good. I'm a pastor, I'm a pastor's wife. I'm good, I'm spiritual. I pray, I give word of knowledge. I raise my hands and wave them during worship. Look at me. I'm good. I have it together. So come to me. But see, on the other side of the coin, you have you. Who sees me misput together and says, oh, you know, Cynthia's kind of too put together. <laughs> I don't think she's, she's gone through anything like I've gone through. So I don't think that she can help me with my problem. I mean, what is she going to tell me? Let's pray about it. And we're going to pray about it. Give it to Jesus. And so we have two, two sides here. We have a side who feels like I need to have my stuff right. so that you can feel confident in me. But then I'm deceiving you because you feel like I'm not relatable. And you feel like I'm up here in my high horse with no problems and issues, and I'm just gonna pass judgment over you. Or I'm gonna give you a superficial cliche answer. Like you've probably heard all your life. Let me give you an example of what happens in churches. Hi, sister. How are you? I'm so good. That was such a great service. God's presence was so good. Oh, that's great. How are you, though? Oh, I'm good. I'm really good. How are you? I'm good, too. Well, you know what, actually? Um, you know, I had, some, I had a rough week. You know, I had some stuff happen to me. Oh, yeah, do you want to talk about it? You know, what happened? Oh, you know, just some stuff. You know, just, just some stuff. But can you pray for me? Yeah, sure. What would you like me to pray for? You know, let's, let, let's get some specifics. Well, you know, just, just for life. You know, just life. You know, just, you know, my thoughts. Sometimes I get some really wacky thoughts. And I really need prayer for those. So, yeah, just pray for me. Okay. Well, you know, I'll pray for you, and in Jesus' name, you'll be fine. You know, in Jesus' name, I, I just rebuke any attack. 
rebuke those thoughts and bless your life. Thank you. That was so good. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Church in 30 seconds. <laughs> oh, sorry. Just coughed into the mic. <laughs> Thought you wanted to know what that sounded like. So let's make sure to clean this after. <sighs> Church is no longer a safe place. And that needs to stop. We all agree with that? Okay. So I do have verses for you. I am going to, we are going to read the Bible. Um, if you guys can all join me, please, in Luke chapter 8, and I'll give you the verses shortly. And I'm going to be reading out of the message version. Okay, so Luke 8, verse 16. Give me a amen when you're there. Let's get it up here. Okay, so um, let's read this. It says, no one lights a lamp and then covers it with a wash tub or shoves it under the bed. No, you set it up on a lampstand so those who enter the room can see their way. We're not keeping secrets. We're telling them. We're not hiding things. We're bringing everything into the open. Let me read that again. I don't feel like you felt me. No one lights a lamp and then covers it with a washtub or shoves it under the bed. No. You set it up on a lampstand so those who enter the room can see their way. We're not keeping secrets. We're telling them. We're, we're bringing everything out into the open. We don't put a lamp under the bed. That's silly. Why does under the bed need light unless you lost your shoe? <sighs> but that's what's happening here. Can you imagine what would happen? See, this verse says, uh, no, you set it up on a lampstand so those who enter the room can see their way. Can see their way. Can you imagine if, if we didn't share anything with anybody? If we didn't let our lamps shine? How would our sisters, our little sisters, the ones rising up, how are they going to see their way? If we're keeping our lamp, our lit lamp concealed. How are our sisters going to see their way? How are we going to have more women pastors who are free? More women evangelists? More women worship leaders? How are we going to do that if we're so ashamed? If we're too ashamed to, to put ourselves out there? No, I'm a, I'm a pastor's wife. What are they going to think about me? I can't, I can't shine my light. I can't put this. I can't expose this. What are they going to think about me? <coughs> or no, I, I deal with lesbian thoughts. What am I going to do? What is going to be the consequence of me telling my pastors that I have these issues? 
Are they then going to look at me differently? Are they going to let me pray for women? Or are they think that I'm just trying to get at them? No, I, I don't want to risk that. I don't want to risk that. But if we don't light, if we don't put our light up on the lampstand, then we're going to have sisters who walk in, ugh, there's masturbation. Ugh, there's sex. Oops, sorry I ran into some porn. We're not hiding things. We're not keeping secrets. We're telling them. We're not hiding things. We're bringing everything out into the open. Everything out into the open. <coughs> but in order for us to do that, we need a safe place. Because if we don't have a safe place, then how, why, why would I bring anything out into the open? Why would I walk on water if Jesus didn't call me to do it? I'm going to sink. You know, Meryl, she shared about the Samaritan woman. I love me, that Samaritan woman. You know, the Samaritan woman, she had her little secrets too. She was hiding all those men. That's why she was going at the hottest time of the day to go get her water. Because she didn't want to deal with it. She said, let me hide, let me go when no one's around and get my water and be on my way. But that day, Jesus was like, no, I got you. <coughs> and he met her there. You guys remember that meeting there stuff? He met her where she was at. Because we need God to meet us where we are at. And that's what God does. And then what we need to do as women is we need to meet each other where we are at. Without judging and without shame. And so Jesus went, and you all know the story. He tells her, hey, look, you know, I know what's going on. And she's like, oh, how do you know my life? I am the Messiah. <coughs> so Jesus set her free. He, he put her lamp on the, on the lampstand. And guess what happened? She then went into her town and evangelized to the whole town. God exposed her secret, and she was set free. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> it's so good. You guys feel me? Oh, you're so good. Okay, let's, let's keep talking. The adulterous woman. I love the adulterous woman. I love her. So she slept with the married guy, and she knew... She knew he was married, and the guy knew he was married. But she got into some stuff that she shouldn't have gotten into. And so guess what? Her accusers dragged her out and threw her at the feet of Jesus. <coughs> they wanted to shame her. And she felt ashamed because she got caught in the act. And so she thought, I'm going to get it. They're going to stone me to death. But guess what Jesus did? 
So beautiful. He says some beautiful words to these people. He puts us all on the same level is what he did. He said, yeah, she messed up. And here she is. The evidence is here. She messed up. But what about you? Have you ever messed up? All on the same level. We all have messed up. We all have a little mess in our message. All of us. <coughs> so he put it all on the same level. They all left. And then he tells her this. I kind of need to brace myself for this. I'm getting a little emotional. He tells her this. He, he goes down to her. And I'm sure he did it in such a gentle way because he's Jesus. He comes down to her level, just like he does with us. I'm sure he got on his knees. That sounds like something he would do. And he looks at her into her face. And she says, and he says, honey, daughter, look up. Just take a look around. So you have this woman who's been dragged out naked, I'm sure. I don't even know if she has sheets to cover her. But she's out there, exposed. And he tells her, honey, where are your accusers now? Where are your accusers now? Jesus doesn't accuse you. <coughs> yeah, you messed up. Yeah, you let guys fill you up. Yeah, maybe you got addicted to some things that you shouldn't be addicted to. But I don't accuse you. Where are your accusers now, adulterous woman? Where are your accusers now, Samaritan woman? Where are your accusers now, you so-called unworthy woman? Where are your accusers now? And the woman gets up. And he says the most empowering thing to her. The most empowering thing to her. that, that He says to her, go and sin no more. That's a choice. Go and sin no more. It's up to you. I don't accuse you. I don't condemn you. I don't shame you. Go and sin no more. I'm empowering you to choose. I'm setting you free. Now go and sin no more. Where are your accusers? Your accusers are nowhere to be found. They don't accuse you and I don't accuse you. So get up and walk. These women were lurking in the shadows, concealing, concealing their, their, their shame, concealing things that they weren't proud of. But Jesus set them free. Are you guys getting me? 
Jesus set them free. But we think he can't do that for us now. Right? No, but that was in the Bible. That doesn't really happen. Oh. No, the Bible still happens. <laughs> the Bible, the stuff that happened there is, is happening now. Let's read something. Let's go to uh, 2 Corinthians, chapter 5. And um, I'm reading the New King James Version. So 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 17. Okay, you guys there? Um, let me get a little something. Oh, wait. Okay, so verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold. You know what behold means? Behold means, behold means, check this out. Let me get your attention. Pay attention to this. All things have become new. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. A long time ago, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. It was in February, I remember. Oh, no, it was in New Year's Eve. Yeah. And uh, I accepted him into my heart. And up to that point, I had been living a, a fake life. Living a life of just putting up fronts because of all the damage that had been done to me. I was damaged goods. But guess what? Jesus made me new. And guess what, my sister? Tell me what. Guess what? He's made you new too. You are new. Okay, so now I have this call to action for you, okay? This is what I want to tell you. There's ladies in here that are hurting, but find themselves with no one to go to because we can't trust one another because we feel like I'm going to go tell her and she's going to go tell someone else. And what ends up happening is like I come to you and I tell you something and then you say, okay, let me go tell my best friend. Hey, guess what? Cynthia, she, um, she told me this and that, but don't tell anybody. And then that person goes to her best friend, and she's like, hey, you know, Meryl told me that, Cynthia told me that this, so hey, don't tell anybody. And then that person goes on, and it's just a vicious cycle. So my call to action is let's be women of integrity. We want to be bold. We want to be used. I know all of us want to do something for God. I know all of us want to do something. 
So let's be women of integrity. Let's be women of substance. Let's be godly women. The women that God has called us to be. Let's not be these, 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 these type of women that say hallelujah, praise you, and, and, but, uh, but don't mean it. Let's start meaning what we say and saying what we mean. Let's start being women of substance. Let our yeses be yeses and our noes be noes. Let's be honest. Let's be prudent. Let's be thoughtful and mindful. Let's care. When someone says, hey, pray for me, don't just say, yeah, I'll pray for you through text and forget to pray. I've done that sometimes. I'm going to be real. I'm going to keep it real. I've done that sometimes. <coughs> but let's actually pray. Let's send a prayer through text. Or let's call them up and pray right there, right now, if it's possible. But let's be women of substance, ladies. I'm not saying that the ladies in here are not. I'm not saying that. But other women somewhere, let them be women of substance. Let us be, let us be these women that empower one another. You know what? Today, when, when, when Meryl and, and, and Misha and even Ami were, were speaking, <coughs> they said some of the things that I was going to talk about in my message. And I thought, oh, that's what I'm going to talk about. Don't kill it. <laughs> but then I thought, no. No, don't, don't, they're not going to kill anything for you. Because look at them. Look, look, look at Amaris. Look at her. Look at her deliver this powerful spoken word. Look at this sister just pour her heart out. Look at Meryl. She was so nervous at the beginning. But she's a fighter. She's fearless. <coughs> and she delivered a strong message that I'm sure broke off chains. Misha, she was so brave and courageous. Carla, Carla came up here and shared something so personal. She put her heart out there for us. All these brave women. I'm not mad at that. I felt so proud. I felt like, wow, look at, look at my sister up there. She's giving it. Like, look at God, use her. The women worshiping, weren't they awesome? Oh, my God. And I'm not trying to be silly, but wow. Seth, you little fighter. <coughs> All the women who came up here, my sister, my sister-in-law, Belen, she ripped it. God used her. Bella, oh, my gosh, where are you? There you are. <laughs> Where's Deanie? Oh, she's outside. Deanie. Oh, she, Deanie, Deanie's Deanie. <laughs> but man, I felt so proud. I felt so proud of us. And I hope that seeing us up here and seeing women up here going for it, inspired you to, to break stuff off that you need to break off and go for it because God is calling you. <coughs> I shared this last year, but I feel like sharing it again this year. 
You know, some people say that, that in Genesis, God created Eve because Adam felt lonely. But that's not the case. Adam didn't feel lonely because Adam was with God. It doesn't make sense that Adam would need of anything because he's with God, right? You're with God. You're with the creator of all. Why would I need anything? But what God did is he created that need in Adam. Adam wasn't created initially with the need, but God created that need for him. Does that make sense? He created a need for us, a need for Eve, we were created with a purpose. We weren't created as a placeholder or a seat warmer or a cheerleader. While those things are pretty awesome, <coughs> the cheerleader part, um, we're more than that. We have voices. We have spirits and souls. And man, God wants to, sorry, God wants to use you. <laughs> got a little excited God wants to use you but we gotta we gotta open up we're not keeping secrets anymore we're telling them to the people that will help us <laughs> and like Carla said earlier if that person ain't gonna help you then find somebody else that will You can fall on God. Be naked with your maker. Be naked with your father. He will not shame you. Amen? Can I get the worship team up here? How are you guys feeling? You feeling okay? Feeling good? I feel really good. Okay, I have some words to share with you, okay? <coughs> I want you to listen to this. Listen to this, okay? All women, I'll wait until you guys are all at your seat because I really want you to hear this. Okay, please, please close your eyes and just listen to my voice and, and the beautiful piano playing. There's no place I can go where your love won't find me. No place I can hide that you don't see. No place I could fall and your love couldn't catch me. You see it all through the eyes of love. There is no place I can go where your love won't find me. No place I can hide that you don't see. No place I could fall that your love couldn't catch me. You see it all through the eyes of love. You see it all. There is no place where you are not there. No place, God, where you don't exist. 